This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Today we've got a great revenge story, all involving a certain signature. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, never be a jerk to a really rich guy. I was reminded of the story from another post asking about things seen by the super rich. I worked at a marina where there were condos along the side. A client of ours talked to us about a slip directly in front of one vacant condo to keep his boat. It was a pretty tight-knit community, and we talked to the guy renting that slip about moving to another, and he had no problem. Great, until the guy went to talk to the manager of the condos about renting the vacant one. The manager of the condos was known for being a bit of a jerk, but no one thought he would actively be one to this guy for no apparent reason. He said someone else was waiting for that particular condo and he couldn't have it. Well, this guy wanting to rent it would have normally had no issue with moving to one a bit further away from his boat, but apparently this manager was just a straight up jerk. I honestly forgot about it until a month later when I saw him moving into the condo directly in front of his boat. I was a bit surprised and I asked my boss about it, figuring the manager finally gave in, or the ones who reserved it backed out. Oh, but no, for the petty revenge, my boss tells me the guy was pissed. So he found out who the organization that owned the condos was and bought the whole complex then promptly fired the manager. I talked to him a few weeks later over beers and asked him about it. He said it was true. I asked him why he didn't just talk to the investment firm and get the guy fired. He said he was going to but still wanted the condo and once going over the financials, he realized he had a good return on investment. Plus, he then had the opportunity to do upgrades he wouldn't have been able to by renting. He was a really nice guy. I never imagined someone would go through all that just to spite a jerk, but there you are. Moral of the story is to never piss off a man with enough money and will to buy a whole company just to fire you. Honestly, this guy doesn't sound like he's in too low of a job, so it probably would be safe to say he could probably get employment elsewhere. I don't know if severance is a thing in this situation, but it might not have been too bad for the guy, even if he did piss off somebody that was really willing to go as far as they could to just ruin this guy's employment. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, be an awful landlord, I'll become your boss's boss. I live in a low-income apartment complex that's part of a housing organization that owns over 500 units in over 20 complexes and counting in my area. The property managers have been running wild since COVID. The manager of that department is related to three of her direct employees and an awful person. She is a miserable person with serious control issues. She likes to meddle in tenants' personal lives and when she doesn't get what she wants, will threaten eviction. I'm not entirely sure what I did to get on their bad side, but property manager boss, who I'll refer to as Buttface, has had issues with me for a couple of years. 
About a year and a half ago, I walked out of my apartment to find a tow notice on my car. After doing a little research, I found out that the apartment complex was illegally towing vehicles by not giving proper notice. I reached out to a friend in tears and she reached out to some local city officials and I was able to save my car from being towed, but this just infuriated Buttface more. She made it her goal to invade my personal life for her weird jollies. So I got together with some other tenants and officially started taking steps to begin a tenant union. About four months into my efforts, I found out that I had very early stage cancer that was able to be treated with surgery. I also had a very traumatic event happen in my home that required biohazard cleanup. Because of these events, I had to step back from organizing tenants. I've been told by a former employee that the property manager was happy I was incapable of continuing my organizing efforts because of my health issues. After I stepped down, someone else took on a leadership role and they were able to get community members to come together and start a coup. We rolled into the annual meeting where board elections are held 30 deep. We were able to get myself and a few other tenants elected to the board that night. The board is the organization's director's boss. I am now Buttface's boss's boss. I just sent off an email to the director chair and co-chair detailing how Buttface is committing fraud. Although the story is great, it's almost a little too early because I think almost everybody wants to hear the update of how Buttface gets a reaming or gets fired out of a cannon. This next story is, you want to complain about the quality of service? Let me give you the correct number. This wasn't done by me, but by my uncle back in 2010. My uncle, until last year that he retired, worked for the public healthcare system. To be exact, he had a cushy job as an ER slash clinic secretary in a small coastal town for over 30 years. A bit of background is necessary. Back in the late 80s, our country's healthcare system was remodeled. One of the changes was establishing small clinics, in reality glorified first aid centers, in certain small towns. The staffing was calculated based on the area population, to be exact, on how many permanent residents were in each area. This was problematic, because it didn't take into account tourism. A lot of areas in my country can have 10 times their population in the summer due to tourists. And as tourists begin to explore more of the country, more places began to have this problem. Time skipped to 2010, my uncle works in the clinic as a secretary, also covering the ER secretary position during the summers, along with four more administrative staff, one accountant also moonlighting as ER secretary, five nurses, one radiology technician, two janitors, and four doctors for an area that has a population of about 3,000 people during the winter and about 25,000 during the summer. The locals complained all the time about the lack of staff, but during summertime, everybody was, and they usually complained to the person sitting behind the desk at the entrance. The top two complaints were lack of staffing and waiting time which was due to a lack of staffing. Now, the official line was to provide the patient that was complaining with the phone number of a helpline that they could register their complaint. But number three on the list of complaints was that either nobody was picking up the helpline or was always busy. My uncle had enough that summer and decided to do something about it. As a secretary, he had access to all the phone numbers of the health ministry, even the cell phones. He checked which of the three undersecretaries of health had answering machines in their offices. Two of them had. So, he started giving their phone numbers instead of the helpline. 
After a week, somebody from the ministry called them and ordered them to stop giving those numbers because they had received over 300 calls already. When the GM asked if they were going to do anything about the complaints, they replied with vagueness. The GM, who was on the same boat as the rest of the clinic staff, said he would order my uncle to stop giving the phone numbers, which he did. In fact, he ordered him not to give the phone numbers from then on. But if a patient already had the wrong number, my uncle shouldn't do anything about it. The ministry caved in two weeks later and sent them some more staff for the tourist season. Now, if you're high up enough, it probably won't make enough of a difference to have all these people blowing up somebody's phone. And by high up enough, I mean somebody where you almost always have some kind of secretary handling everything for you. You can just ignore it and it really won't affect you. But in general, I think this is clearly the right thing to do. You organize this group of people who are getting slighted and upset and you force them to beat it down this person's throat to realize there's a problem that you're ignoring. Our next story is park a shared scooter in a private yard? Prepare your ears. This revenge is short but sweet. The other day I was in need of a shared e-scooter and there were only two available in my neighborhood, which were near each other. The app showed that they weren't on a road, but rather in a private area. Where I live, this is usually not a problem, since most often this means they're in a yard of a block of flats which are freely accessible. Only this time it was nearby a homeowner that had decided to park the scooters in his private yard. The residents had parked the scooters close to the house, which was not easily accessible, but very close to their windows. Important for the revenge. Now this is, of course, prohibited in the use of these shared scooters, and there was a complaint form that I could have used to make a complaint about these people and the parking. However, I decided to go in another direction. The app has a function, ring a bell, to easily find the scooter when you're searching for it. The sound scooters make is surprisingly loud, and there was only a 5 second waiting time between rings, so when I walked away from the house, the next few minutes I hit that button like my life depended on it. I could hear it surprisingly far, and yeah, I was happy about it, not gonna lie. After a few minutes, the app showed that the scooter had actually moved further away from the house to a road, so I assume my revenge was successful. I think OP should have first off reported them, especially if there's like the option to take a photo. And then did this revenge where you keep ringing it anyways. It's not like OP's gonna get in trouble for using the ring to find me button. Our next story is making silk purses from a sew's ear. This happened in high school, about a million years ago now. The history teacher was, shall we say, a fascist. He was a full-on right-wing foaming-at-the-mouth, Bible-thumping, John Bircher nutjob. Now, I'm not making this post about politics one way or the other, but this guy would torment any student who dared to disagree with his chosen beliefs and hand out bad grades if you crossed him. No matter which side of the aisle you hail from, you would not have liked this guy. And the students hated him. As you could imagine at a time when the end of Vietnam quagmire drew near and Tricky Richard was about to meet his Waterloo... er... gate. I had some passing skill as an artist and would do pencil portraits for 20 bucks a piece. Some of the faculty had gotten me to do their portraits and when our protagonist saw them, he wanted me to immortalize him in graphite as well. He was snotty about it of course, seeing his standards were high, a remark I didn't understand at the time. Upon delivery, he sneered and said it was just okay, but nothing he would pay for, certainly. But he'd take it off my hands as a favor, I suppose granting it his blessing by deigning it to steal from me. I said nothing and left, with the picture. 
That evening, the whirr of an electric eraser disturbed the crickets in the evening hush. The following morning I opened for business, with my limited edition Xeroxed print of Mr. Wonderful transformed with shoulder-length hair, a headband, and denim jacket with buttons depicting a peace sign, and I'm for JFK. I sold them for 25 cents each, and they were, let us say, quite popular, attesting to the level of warm affection among the student body for our hero, an emotion evidently shared by his co-workers because when I was summoned to the principal's office later that day, I could see that he was barely containing his merriment. His discipline consisted of insisting that I limit my sales to the original 20 bucks that I'd been stiffed for, but oddly, there were hundreds of the darn things all over school by then. I leave to your imagination the reaction of the individual depicted in the now immortal portrait. I know a muffled explosion was heard coming from his classroom. I think we need to see this art piece. OP needs to get that thing properly digitized and immortalize this man for what he deserves to be remembered for. Our next story is getting back at the neighborhood thief. Okay, this story takes place over 30 years ago. I was seven and a half. My mom and her second husband moved along with me, my brother and sister in with her sister who had three kids of her own, two girls and a boy. My mom was very pregnant with my little sister as well. Now across the street lived this other family, mom, dad, and two kids, a little girl my age and a little boy maybe a year older. Every one of us kids loved the little boy. He was always sharing his toys and offering to help the younger kids tie their shoes, etc. His sister though was a brat, hitting other kids, calling them cruel names, really now that I think about it, a bully. This was around when Cabbage Patch dolls were at their height of their popularity and every girl and a lot of boys wanted one. Well, we couldn't afford them, so our grandmother made us all homemade dolls as close looking to Cabbage Patch dolls as she could. The dolls turned up missing, all six of them. Then we noticed other toys were missing. Our parents lectured us about being careless, so we get invited to play with the kids across the street and the little girl makes the mistake of letting me see her room bragging about all her toys if I remember right. I picked one of the dolls up and realized it was my doll. I asked her and she says her dad got it for her. I was seething. I waited until she was engaged in some play with my cousins. I took all the toys out of her toy box and carried them across the street. My siblings helped me while my cousins kept her busy. So we dump all the toys in a pile on our living room floor and soon here comes her mother screaming we robbed her precious daughter and she wants the cops called. My mom and aunt are yelling, my stepdad's taking off his belt and I calmly turn my doll upside down and lift its skirt. Now it's important here I tell you, my mom was a bit OCD when it came to our stuff. Everything had our name either sewn on or written on in permanent marker. This little girl insists her dad gave her the doll. Her mother backs her up, so I pick up the other dolls and show them the names. They're insisting it's just coincidence, and that's when her dad walks in. He listens to his wife complain about us being thieves and then asks me to show him the doll. I said nothing this entire time. He looks at the name on the doll and turns to his daughter. You're grounded a month for stealing and a month for lying. I still remember her mouth dropping open and her mother sputtering that we were the thieves. I also remember him looking at his wife dead in the eye and saying, her name, I never bought a doll for her like this one. Also I doubt I could find a cabbage patch doll with my name which is unusual where I live on it if I tried. The guy was livid. 
He yells for them to go home and then asks us kids if we have room for all those toys. Now, I'm pretty sure now looking back, he knew only a tenth of the toys were actually ours and that technically... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We had stolen her toys. Of course, we found room. We did, however, let her brother go through them, and when the kids who lived a few doors down found out via her brother about our toys found in her toy box, they asked to look through. In the end, she lost all her toys and all her friends. At least somebody in this story is a person of honesty. I couldn't imagine being the father in this situation, seeing that your own kid stole these toys, and then looking over and seeing that your own partner is backing her up on this. I think my heart would be broken a little bit. I mean, this is what you guys all think is okay? This next story is, I gave my ex's newly published book a bad online review. I've never even read it. He lied, cheated, and abandoned me with his baby over 16 years ago. Today I found his book being sold online. There was something about seeing his name again that struck terrible, painful memories and a desperate need for revenge. In my rage, I reviewed his book with the comment, paraphrased, Stephen King ripoff, skip this one if you value your free time, a complete waste of money, energy, and time. No good characters, contrived plot, terrible dialogue. I'm pretty sure an edgy, semi-illiterate teen wrote this. One out of five stars. Childish, I know, but I feel a little better. Honestly, I hope it freaking stings him like heck. Just on my personal experience, I don't know if what OP did here would be enough because if I was looking at a review on a book, I would definitely be able to look past one bad review like this. It would depend on like, is everybody kind of giving mid reviews? Are there a lot of like four or five stars? OP might contribute, but OP also might just be that one bad review that I'm like, well, maybe it just wasn't for them. Maybe I should just still give it a shot. Our next story is, I don't accept your unacceptance. I do a considerable amount of unpaid community volunteering. One of these gigs is delivering lunches to the people living in a retirement community, which I've been doing for the last couple years. I'm not a terribly social person. I'll chit chat with the people I'm delivering food to, but if I encounter anyone in the halls or on the elevator, I simply give a customary nod and hello to acknowledge their existence. I'll admit that I'm mostly trying to avoid getting sucked into conversations since I'm very task oriented. I have 20 plus deliveries of hot food to do in an hour on a four-story building, so I try to stay focused. A couple months ago, a woman moved into the building and she's cantankerous. The first time I saw her, I gave my standard nod and she said, I don't accept your nod. I chuckled and kept on my way. It's not unusual for people in this community to drop a sarcastic comment, and I thought this was a particularly clever little jab in passing. I was wrong. Oh, so wrong, but I didn't know it. Yet. I saw her again a couple days later. 
I didn't recognize her, being an NPC and all, so I nodded again when she was getting off the elevator I was going to get on. We're not friends and I don't accept your acknowledgement, was her reply as she exited. Again, I thought it was a joke and I made a mental note to recognize her because this is a good bit of flash humor that doesn't slow me down. I thought she was cool at this point. The next time I saw her, I nodded again with the biggest poop-eating grin I could muster when she was on the elevator I was stopped on at her floor to pick her up. I will never accept your nod, she insisted. I laughed out loud and held the door when it started to close. She snarled at me, we're not friends and you're dead by Friday. I let the door close in shocked confusion. For the last few weeks, she has been waiting for me in the main entry lobby and becoming increasingly vitriolic, even without me looking in her direction, culminating in cursing me to die and calling me a white person without a father. For reference, I'm Native American. She's considerably lighter skinned than I am. Looks like she's never had an hour of sun exposure in her life and is 100% European heritage. Racism is where I draw the ignore this crap line though. I formulated a plan. The next time I delivered, I went to the employee lobby instead of going immediately to the main lobby. I struck up a conversation with the building manager and got her to follow me on my rounds to meet and greet new residents. She's rarely on site, so anyone living in the facility less than a year is unlikely to know her. We get to the main lobby where my favorite person is awaiting me. We lock eyes, I nod, and immediately she launches into hollering death curses and extreme racism. The term white n-word was said a few times. The building manager and I silently get onto the elevator, and for the next hour she is apologizing to me and promising it won't happen again. I don't know what the resolution was, but I haven't seen that spiteful gremlin since. I'll nod at who I want, you miserable witch. I think this lady had some kind of problems. Now, I don't know if it was substance related or if it was just attitude related. Whatever it was, she very clearly immediately understood the building manager was there and snapped right out of it, so I can't even understand what the issue is. Our next story is, all we needed was a signature. Wife and I recently celebrated our 10 year anniversary, and this story occurred during the lead up to our wedding, so some details may be fuzzy. We met a bit later in life. I had never wanted kids, she was a single mom of twins, 12 at the time. We were friends first, but eventually it was evident this was the one and we made plans to get married. Being a bit older, the whole traditional wedding thing wasn't for us, so we settled on a destination wedding in the Caribbean. Number one to do list item prepping for the wedding trip is passports for the kids. While gathering the necessary documents, we learned that for minors, you needed both parents to be involved. This is where the details are fuzzy, but essentially their bio dad needed to sign and notarize a form and provide a copy of his ID. We reached out numerous times, but there was always some excuse or promise that it would be taken care of next week. Clearly this wasn't going to happen, so it was time for another tactic. The alternative to the required forms from the bio dad was to show that my wife had to be full or sole custody of the children. But since they were quite young when the kids arrived, they had never formalized any sort of custody arrangement. The kids had always just been in the care of their mom. So we hire an attorney to go to court and get the custody order. Biodad didn't bother to show up. Finally, passport applications submitted, and all is well and good, except this whole fiasco was time-consuming and expensive, so now I'm feeling petty. 
While there wasn't, until recently, a custody order, there was an old support order. It was a pitiful monthly amount, but after being ignored for years, the outstanding balance had grown sizable. We contacted the government agency that handles such matters, but they would need to serve him with some paperwork to proceed. We provided what we thought was his address, his mother's address, some other family addresses, but ultimately he avoided service. Time to get creative. He and the kids were friends on social media, so I started doing some investigating to see what I could learn. It turns out he's quite involved in a local recreational sports league. They have custom jerseys and the whole nine yards. From there, it was easy enough to find the league schedule online and discover that he slash the team would be at XYZ Park on next Wednesday evening at 7. This information we provided to our contact at the government agency, who by this point had also taken an extra interest in the case. The story we hear a few days later is that the county sheriff showed up to the park on the date and time we provided, stops the game, walks onto the field, and serves Biodad with the paperwork. Cue the Nelson laugh. Eventually this leads to a warrant for non-payment, and he has to pay a lump sum, about half of what the custody process cost us, to avoid jail. It would have been so much easier to just sign the forms, man. I mean, he really stepped up his efforts in being a deadbeat father. All they had to do was sign some paperwork and they couldn't even do that. Like, what do you gotta do, say that you'll send them a $5 check if they can just sign this slip and send it back? Our next story is, enjoyed yelling at me in a team meeting? This takes place about 15 years ago. We worked in an open seating policy with no assigned seats, but some people had their spot where they always say. Most people out of respect wouldn't sit there. All the workstations were dumb terminals, where you logged in and worked off all the company applications and all work was saved to a server. My group was a higher tier, so we all sat closer to each other. After they did some upgrades to the HVAC system, heat was blowing directly on our section every day. It was getting so bad I was feeling faint halfway into my shift every day. I'm tall, so maybe the heat is hitting my head more? I'm easily getting overheated, going home and getting sick. Told my boss in HR that I can't sit there and continue to work as I'm calling out sick every other week. They acknowledge the issue and say they'll get it fixed as it's not happening in the other sections. A couple months go by with nothing done. I'm almost out of sick time. Boss says any day now it'll be fixed. I ask him if that's the case, can I sit in another section until it's fixed as I'm almost out of sick time. He agrees as I can do my work from anywhere, so I move a few rows up. This one coworker's pissed off, says I'm not a team player. One day we both work on the same ticket as he didn't assign it to himself. So a small mistake was made, nothing big. Boss says we need to better communicate with each other. I said, well, he just needs to see who grabbed the ticket and this wouldn't have happened. He takes this mistake very personal. He talks to the boss in HR to force me to sit in the group section. They say no, he was approved to sit in another section. He's not happy, keeps making comments, but I ignore him. Then, during a team meeting, I ask my boss a question about an ongoing issue. He jumps in and goes off on me, saying if you stayed with the rest of the team, you would know the answer. Then a few more minutes, berates me about not being a team player and threatens me that I better move back. I'm shocked and speechless. I look at my boss and say, is this acceptable behavior? He then tells him to calm down and take a walk to cool down as I wasn't doing anything that he didn't approve. 
After the meeting, my boss asked me to walk back with him to his office. He asks me, is this the first time he's blown up like this? At me, it was the first time, but he has at others. He says, since he witnessed this, he has no choice but to write him up and send it to HR. Fine by me, I don't care. HR writes him up and tells him to leave me alone. A couple of months go by, he's continually saying nasty things about me to co-workers. They finally fix the heating. He then makes a comment, It's all fixed now, you can wear your big boy pants and sit with us, you sissy. Petty revenge time. Since there are no assigned seats, and I personally don't care where I sit, unlike him, he must have a certain station no matter what. So one day, I work an extra shift and sit in his spot, as it was open. He comes in for his shift and asks me if I'm planning on staying there. I respond yes. He makes a face and waits till the shift ends for another station to be free. I don't think much of this. Next day, co-workers were saying how he called me a jerk for sitting in his spot. I didn't do it on purpose, but now that I know it pisses him off and since he's been talking trash about me for months, I get a bright idea. I started to come in early some days and wait for that seat if someone was sitting there and take that seat as it's first come. I know the days of the guy who sits there before my shift and I sign up for overtime on those days when available. This is really pissing him off, he's telling everyone I'm being a jerk on purpose. He starts to come in an hour before his shift starts, non-paid, to get his seat. The days I'm not getting overtime when I know the seat is open prior to my shift, I come in two hours early to do paid mandatory training. He sees me sitting there as he came in an hour early, his head is about to explode. I would take his seat two or three days per week. He is so upset, he goes crying to the boss and HR to make me stop sitting there as it's his spot. They tell him again there are no assigned seats and they both tell him not to bother me. Boss tells me if he acts up towards me to let him know. After a couple of months of me not backing down as I'm very petty, he wants to speak to me. Being super nice asks me why I'm sitting there as that's his spot. Nope, department policy is no assigned seating. He says I don't understand, why are you doing this to me? Why are you being so mean as I never did anything to you? I burst out laughing. Sure you didn't, you keep saying that to yourself. After a little more of him trying to convince me not to sit there anymore, I say well you should have thought about that before you yelled at me and continue to talk trash about me for the past few months. Now that you want something from me, you're being nice. He says well I'm sorry about that, I was a jerk. I say I agree you were, but don't expect something from someone that you bullied. Sorry, I'm going to stick to company policy, first person gets the seating choice. If you don't like it, go to the boss in HR and get it changed. Maybe we can go by seniority. Oh wait, I have more than you. Seeing that he wasn't going to get his way, he left the room and I can hear him blowing up in the hallway. Coworkers asking what's wrong with him. He's pissed that he wants this seat. We all laughed. After a while, coworkers on my shift ask me to not sit there as they're getting tired of him constantly complaining and said I made my point not to piss me off. I said he hasn't learned his lesson yet as he's still talking trash about me. This went on for another year till I left the company. I never came in early where I wasn't being paid for it, unlike him where he would sometimes come in up to two hours early non-paid to get his spot. I don't understand why he wanted the spot so badly. At some point, almost any reasonable person would just give up and pivot to trying to claim another spot somewhere. Also, I think OP should have encouraged all their co-workers that came to OP to complain 
to report that guy to their bosses and to HR. I mean, you really want to make it stop? Complain about the guy that's constantly complaining. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.